things disappear in war. Objects in museums vanish. You care so much for these objects. What about the people? The objects are part of the people. They're the deepest, hidden, most secret part. They're the best part and the most important part to protect. You're talking about love. Yes, I love them. I do. And your statue? The one you care so much about? Did you send it to Baghdad? We sent a great many. You said a great many people were concerned about it. We're concerned about every artifact. But you said it was special. They're all... Special to you. Yes. Is that your secret? That was an excerpt from the play Inanna by Michelle Lowe. Inanna tells the story of an Iraqi museum curator's attempt to protect his country's art prior to the war. It's one of five plays presented this season at the Contemporary American Theater Festival at Shepherdstown. Welcome to Artworks, the program that goes behind the scenes with some of the nation's great artists to explore how art works. I'm your host, Josephine Reed. Just celebrating its 20th season, the Contemporary American Theater Festival is committed to presenting edgy modern plays in rotating repertory. Its home is historic Shepherdstown, which is the oldest town in the state of West Virginia. And this picture-perfect village oddly complements the cutting-edge theater presented at the festival. The brainchild of founder and producing director Ed Herendine, Shepherdstown and the Contemporary American Theater Festival has become a destination for the adventurous who are drawn to bold, daring theater. I went to the festival and saw the play Inanna, and then had the opportunity to speak with Ed Herendine about the festival and contemporary American theater. Here's our conversation. Ed, first, let me congratulate you on your 20th anniversary. Thank you very much. We're very excited to have reached this incredible milestone of 20 years of producing new American work. I have to commend you. 20 years, and you haven't done a revival yet. Our mission statement is so narrowly focused. Our mission is very clear. We are dedicated to producing and developing new American theater. That's it. That's who we are. That's what we do. So our mission drives everything that we do. Now tell me, Ed, you're the founder of the festival. How did it come to be? What's the story? It's an interesting story. Um, I was up at the Williamstown Theater Festival in 1990-1991 when a college president from Shepherd College then um, had this idea to start an equity theater during the summer in Shepherdstown on his college campus. And he, um, and I was hired as a consultant to come down to work with them on how to negotiate a contract with Actors' Equity and to go through. We spent about three or four days looking at the area, looking how close it was to one of the largest metropolitan areas in the country. And it seemed like a great fit in the summertime to have a professional theater so close to the Washington, D.C., Baltimore metro area. And when it came time to deciding what kind of theater he was interested in, um, one of the things I was able to convince him of is that there was a critical need in the country for a home for the development and full production of new American plays. And he liked that idea, and without realizing it, he turned and said, well, why don't you do it? And I said, are you offering me a job? And he said, um, yeah, why don't you start it? And I said, yeah. So. Ed, what's the benefit of doing theater festivals? Why the festival model? Well, one of the great things that we can offer is not only is Shepherdstown this beautiful historic village and a destination in itself, but it gives audiences an opportunity to come for a two-day period and actually see five new American plays fully produced. 
And it's just a great opportunity for them to look at five different writers, five different voices, and to get a real view of the American landscape, because all of these plays were written within the last year or two, and you really get a breadth of the viewpoint of what five storytellers uh, are looking at when they look at the American landscape. And you get to go in a rotating rep. You see actors in more than one play. You're all held captive in this beautiful town. And there's an opportunity to constantly, while you're here visiting, talking about the work through our lecture series, through our talkback, post-show talkbacks, through breakfast salons that we have in the morning. Um, and then just naturally at the B&Bs, when people wake up and have breakfast, before they go to bed, they're talking about the play. They wake up, they're discussing the play in the restaurants and in the pubs. And so you have this entire atmosphere of art happening, and um, they get to see five plays that rotate throughout a two-day period. And what you try to present here is a total theatrical experience, as you say, because you have lectures. There's a breakfast series with you, the artistic director. You have the playwrights giving talks and Q&As with the audiences as well. It's you, You're building relationship. Absolutely. And we, thanks to the West Virginia Humanities Council, we do a Saturday afternoon lecture series where we have people come in and speak on some of the topics that the play raises. So it's just uh, incredibly provocative in so many ways. You know, it's we call it think theater for a lot of reasons. We want you to think about theater, but we also want you to th- think about what you just saw. And so it's, um, you know, the kind of theater that I believe creates a forum for a debate, creates a forum for a living conversation to take place. And it also doesn't do Shepherdstown any harm because it, it helps draw a lot of people to this historic town. Absolutely. People from 33 states are visiting us this summer, um, not including the District of Columbia. So if it was a state, it'd be 34. Um, So people from all over America are making a destination. 60% of our audience is coming from the Washington, Baltimore metro area. And, you know, we believe that what we're doing is the right thing because we believe that, um, you know, we're increasing the quality of life for the people that live in this community and come to visit this historic community. But it also has a huge economic impact um, on the region. And I would think that the other benefit of doing a festival theater, doing theater and repertory, is that you get to share casts in within the various plays. I've always been attracted to true repertory theater, and this was an opportunity to create one acting company. Each summer we cast a new acting company based on the plays that we're doing, and it gives actors an opportunity to be in two roles doing new work, to actually be developing two new plays. And the audience find the experience incredibly fascinating because they'll see an actor in one role, like today's play in Anna that you saw, um, those main actors now will you know, go have dinner and then they put on new costumes and go to a different space in the studio theater and we'll do Francis Yachu Cowhig's Lidless. You started with two plays 20 years ago and now you're doing five. Can you tell us how you built this wonderful theater festival? Geez, I don't know if I can remember back that far, but... It was always our intention in our long-range strategic plan is our goal is to get to six plays in rotating rep, and now we're at five. Um, It was just a natural part of the growth, you know, and something that I believed. You know, sometimes we hear that it's very difficult to get an audience to come to see a new play. And if you're only doing one new play in a season full of classics and revivals or modern classics, um, you know, international dramas, 
if only one of them is a new play, oftentimes we look at it as, oh, that's the play that might lose money. That's the play that's going to be hard to market. When you're only doing new work, um, it's very exciting. And I really believe that um, we have built an adventurous audience that's coming here because it's new. Sometimes they don't even know the names of the playwrights. You know, they don't recognize them. You know, we've had playwrights like Sam Shepard and Lee Blessing and Richard Dresser and Joyce Carol Oates. But some of the writers are emerging writers and new voices in the American theater. So this work is very fresh, very new. And I believe that the kind of audience that's coming to see our work wants this experience of being actually playing a vital role in the birth and in the development of a play because the audience is crucial at this early development for the playwright to see the audience, to hear them breathing, to hear them moving, to hear them laughing or crying or whatever it is that audiences do. It's vital to the next step when these playwrights leave Shepherdstown. Our goal is that they leave with a better script. Well, for example, the lineup this season, you have five plays, you have two world premieres. But you also are committed to doing second production of plays. Talk about why that's important. Yeah, I, You know, I define new in a very broad term. Um, this season's a great snapshot of our mission specifically. We have two world premieres, and we have one play that's so new we couldn't even negotiate the rights for the world premiere. The world premiere will yet to be done. Um, maybe in the next two or three productions, somebody will negotiate the world premiere rights for Lidless. However, we're still giving it its first full production and it's gone through three drafts just since we signed on to do it you know so the work was constantly changing in on as an example of the second production it's very difficult writers tell me to get a world premiere to get a first fully produced production but many writers have shared with me that it's even more difficult to get the second production because if theaters are only doing one or two new plays in their season Oftentimes, they really want the world premiere. And once a play has had its world premiere, some theaters don't seem to be interested in it. And we don't have world premiere-itis at the theater festival. Um, we believe in breathing life and continued life into a play. And, you know, we all know that just because a play's had its first production, it's not finished yet. Writers still need that next shot. And so we're hoping that we are giving writers an opportunity like Michelle Lowe with Anana. She came and saw and made changes for our production. So now she's had two shots at this play, and now the play can go out and go wherever it wants to, and, and she knows that um, we played a role in helping her develop that. Well, let's talk a little bit about this season, because I'm interested in, first, how you choose the plays. And that's a great question. Um, you know, it's really a gut response. You know, um, I have very close relationships that I've developed over the years with literary managers. They have come to know my taste. They've come to know the kinds of work that I'm looking for. They know that um, we're looking for dangerous work. We're looking for provocative material. We're looking for work that's relevant, present, immediate. We're looking for work that's in all phases of development, you know, very new work that hasn't even had many workshops and certainly not a full production. And we're looking for plays that have had a production maybe in a small venue but now are ready to go on to another venue. Um, but what I do is I read a lot of work. I start reading plays in the next two weeks. I try to have the season announced by January. And I choose plays that hit me in the gut, that move me emotionally, that move me intellectually, and then I tried to choose a season, you know, based on um, how many equity contracts we've budgeted for so that I can find one equity company that can service five plays. 
And so it, it's, you know, kind of a great big giant puzzle. Well, let's talk about this season. Well, you just saw Michelle Lowe's Anna. It's kind of a political thriller. It's set sort of in a sort of Hitchcockian kind of storytelling um, style. But the really big surprise that happens in this play is that it's a love story at its heart. It's a play about a museum curator who's trying to save and protect the artifacts and the antiquities in his museum on the eve of the American invasion into Baghdad. They're deeply committed. The hero of this play is committed to protecting the history and the culture and the heritage of his country. And the two main characters who meet and have had an arranged marriage, Michelle feels very deeply that in the course of one evening they fall in love and save the world. So it's very idealistic in that sense. In rotating rep with Anana on the same stage, and they'll be changing over the scenery as we're speaking, we have the world premiere of the Eelwax Jesus 3D pop music show, which is kind of an alternative theatrical event, a really exciting and um, imaginative and inventive piece um, of music where this, this group of people who live in an institutional day home, day room in a home somewhere in a large city are addicted to a daily television show. And, and it's just sort of in a very inventive way takes a look at this group of people and the television show that they watch. And we give a toaster away every night. So it's a lot of fun, and the music is really, it's just got that great beat. And it reminds me a lot of David Byrne and the Talking Heads music and, and things like that. So got that sense of performance art quality to it. Do you think it's easier to get edgy work produced in regional theater rather than on Broadway? I love New York. And, you know, I, I, I'm up there at least once a month attending readings and, and seeing. You know, I really think there is a tsunami of creative energy coming out of that city, and especially with new plays and what's happening in America. Maybe not just on Broadway, but if you look, Broadway's over the last couple of years have had some terrific straight plays happening. And, you know, just recently David Mamet's play Race was in New York. You know, there's a lot of good stuff happening. What I think is great is also what's happening in the regional theater and happening around um, the United States. There's great theater in Chicago. There's great theater in Washington, D.C. You know, count up how many theaters there are in Washington now and count up how much new work is being done around the country. So I think this is a really exciting, even with the economic um, difficulties that we're facing, I think the American theater is going through a very exciting time. And um, while New York is not the only place, there's so much great theater happening around the country. I mean, it's tremendously expensive to produce theater, especially in a large city like New York. Um, One of the things that we're proud of here is that you can see five plays almost for the price of what it costs to see, you know, one large Broadway show um, in Park for Free here. You know, so we've made a real attempt um, to try to keep our ticket prices affordable and accessible to, and you know, we do pay what you can previews so people can come to the first previews that we're doing here and see plays for as low as a penny. Um, It's important to us because of our geography being in this very what I call semi-rural West Virginia, so close to a large city, but at the same time that we're reaching out to the people in our own community, which in many cases this may be the first professional plays that they have ever seen. Um, you know, when we look at the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia, and then to develop an audience of 
a very adventurous audience of people who are craving this to be a part of something new, a part of the birth of a new play, and to maybe make it as affordable as we can. And here we are in the oldest town in West Virginia doing the five of the newest plays in America, and to me that's just a real thrill. And you were many hats. How many of these plays did you direct? Um, this season I directed three of the plays, and then Laura Kepley, a fabulous director, directed... Um, Breadcrumbs and Max Baker directed um, the Ewax Jesus 3D pop music show. So that's a lot of juggling for you now. Yeah, but you know, the cool thing about starting your own theater is you get to do what you want to do. And you know, I started the theater because this is what I want to do. I want to direct new work. Okay, so finally, Ed, look ahead like three years. What do you see for Contemporary American Theater Festival? You know, it's a, it's a great question because I have an insatiable appetite. And as I see hope in the economy getting better, you know, that's only going to increase our opportunity to continue to do um, more ambitious work. Our goal, our strategic plan right now has us um, planned to do six new American plays in rotating rep and to extend our season, you know, by a few more weeks. We'd like to play now six weeks. We're playing at four. And maybe one of the goals that we really do see in the off-season is more developmental work in terms of readings and workshops and actually ultimately creating um, a very non-traditional playwright mentor program to start a two-year, perhaps, um, writing program for playwrights. Well, we look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. That was Ed Herondine founder and producing director of the Contemporary American Theater Festival in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. Adam Campy is the assistant producer. The music is Annabelle June by Abigail Washburn and Bella Fleck. The Artworks podcast is posted every Thursday at www.arts.gov. Next week, Julia Alvarez discusses her historical novel and Big Read selection, In the Time of the Butterflies. To find out how art works in communities across the country, keep checking the Artworks blog or follow us at NEA Arts on Twitter. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening.